everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Alternate Oscars. I am your one and only host, Gabe Warren, and with every episode, I, along with a special guest, will be celebrating and rewarding our favorite films of each year, starting in 1928. We will discuss our brief thoughts on each film we nominate, and comment on the actual Oscar year, and some fun details on the ceremony. A few rules we always follow. We will be strictly following the reminder list of eligible releases. Those can be found on the website, and the Oscar goes too. The amount of categories will also grow over time as a sort of tie-in to the category's evolution over time. My guest today is going to be Juan Carlos Ollano, the host of the One Inch Barrier podcast. Juan, welcome to the podcast. How's your day been today? Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I just woke up like uh, 20 minutes ago, so nothing has happened yet. But, uh, you know, I did a lot of like finalizing this ballot last night I mean, until early this morning so i am so in 1948 let's just do this <laughs> yes this is a very exciting year yeah and as carlo said we are going to be talking about the films of 1948 and i always ask ask my guests this question um at the start but what were your favorite films of um 1948 that were not eligible for this ceremony this can be any film that was released in 1948 but it's not on the reminder list of eligible releases for the 1948 ceremony you know the thing is that the reason why i was so attracted to the prospect of doing this podcast is that before you ask me to be a guest i haven't seen any films from 1948 It's one of those years where I am really zero. Um, I think that has a lot of that um, was in the like the late '40s for me, because at least in the early '40s, you know, I have seen one film from '41, which is Citizen Kane, '42, Mrs. Miniver, '43, Casablanca, '46, and '40, '48, '49. I haven't seen any films, so um, I have no pre-existing favorite. But um, uh, when I was watching films for this podcast, um, I watched one film that I thought was eligible in '48 because it was first released in '48, but it's actually released uh, eligible in '49. So um, that's not eligible. But it's there's a film called um, "They Live by Night." I think it's about. Um, I forgot. I forgot because <laughs> so many films I watched. It's about um, a runaway couple. It stars Farley Granger and Kathy O'Donnell, and directed by Nicholas Ray. I think it's a very modern, thrilling, exciting um, uh, runaway uh, uh, drama about a, a runaway couple who did some crimes. It's it's really refreshing because I they're from this time, and I think we'll we'll just. We we will um, discuss it a bit later. Um, the forties are very um, haste code, <laughs> so the films are almost like um, they have a certain pattern that they follow, and it's refreshing. One once in a while, you get these films that are like mold breakers. Um, so yeah, I think that will be the only one because I haven't seen any films from this year. <laughs> yeah, that's a worthy of a mention. I'd also like to. Virgin Yellow Sky, um, a Western from William A. Woman, starring Gregory Peck and Anne Braxton, Richard Whitmark, that was also a default the next year. In the same boat would be um, trying to remember the name. 
Force of Evil, directed by Abraham Bolonsky, starring John Garfield and Thomas Gomez, another film noir that was eligible the next year. And I'd also like to mention Bicycle Thieves, a neorealist classic from Vittorio De Sica, which was eligible the next year. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> you have not and seen I, Bicycle Thieves, and I have. Sh- I should have because it was, it was one of those films from film school. We're just like you have to watch it. I'm just like, no, I'm not watching it right now, and um, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Oh gosh, but I, I know I'm missing out on that. It's, it's a classic of world cinema which I should have seen right now. <laughs> no pressure, but it is an incredible classic. And really taps into that feeling that I imagine a lot of Italians were experienced at the experiencing at the time with everything they were going through with the war and yeah, just everything. Yeah. So now it is time to start announcing our nominees and. If you know how um, the process usually goes, we start with the last category um, and start with the first. No, start with the last category and end with the first. And we take turns announcing our nominees with the guest going first. So Juan, would you like to take it away starting with special effects? Sure. (laughs) All right. Special effects. My nominees are Deep Waters, Hatter's Castle, Key Largo, Mine Own Executioner, and Portrait of Jenny. Nice. I think I've only seen like two of those. Um, Key Largo and Portrait of Jenny. I know Deep Waters was a nominee in real life, but I did not get around to seeing that. There are a lot of these like films that seem really interesting to me that I don't get around to seeing until much later on. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to rectify that with a certain war movie from 1949. That is apparently very good, but that's beside the point. Um, my nominees are Easter Parade, Joan of Arc, Portrait of Jenny, The Red Shoes, and Unfaithfully Yours. Yeah. Those titles passed by through me as well. I mean, this was... Um, I, I got crazy. I got crazy with the watching of the film. So it's it's okay. <laughs> there was too much. Yeah. I do a lot of rushing through. Yeah. As well. It's kind of insane. But next we have best film editing. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, my nominees for film editing are... Oops. Beauty and the Beast, Call Northside 777, Louisiana Story, Panic, The Red Shoes. Nice. I've not seen Call Northside 777 or Panic, but those sound like interesting titles. And I've heard good things about Call Northside 777 in particular. So it was, I, yeah. I think I should, yeah. But my nominees are The Lady from Shanghai, The Naked City, Red River, The Red Shoes, and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Those were very good picks. Um, 
Gabe, just a sec, okay? Just a sec. I'm so sorry. I, I heard something, okay? Sorry, my my mom knocked really hard because she thought I was still not awake. <laughs> like you're gonna be late for your recording, but I'm here. Um, yeah, those titles, yeah, those titles are also in my. A lot of those are in my runners up as well. This was a very good year in film editing. Um, it, it was such a rich year, and um, I I like your choices as well. Yeah, and. Yeah, I don't have much to say other than I did consider other titles, but I feel like this is a solid five for me. But next we have Best Makeup. Okay, this was fun. Um, makeup. My picks, my nominees are Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Beauty and the Beast. The Queen's Necklace. The Red Shoes, That Lady in Ermine. Nice. I also have not seen The Lady in Ermine. Um, one second. I need to let my cat out. Go ahead. But yeah, like I was saying, um, I've not seen The Lady in Ermine. I did look it up quickly before we did our recording. And it seems interesting because it's Lubitsch's final film, I believe. Yeah, I think she, he only filmed eight days. And then Otto Preminger took over? Yeah, but he didn't get credit. So <laughs> even if um, yeah. which only did eight days of shooting, he got the credit and not Preminger. Yeah. It was fun. It was it was it was lightweight. It was it wasn't anything. Um, it wasn't anything like uh like urgent. But gosh, the visuals are stunning and the makeup because there's this storyline about like um there's um Betty Grable plays two characters basically and it's. It's almost a period X historical. So there's a lot of blending of like um, old quote unquote old people and then uh, present people fantasy and not. So yeah, it was, it, it, it looks stunning, especially in Technicolor, but yeah. Interesting. So my nominees are Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, Yay. Beauty and the Beast. Hamlet, The Red Shoes, and The Treasure of the Sierra Matre. That's good. I think we overlapped three times, so that's good. That's a good lineup. Yeah. So next we have Best Costume Design. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I think I fought for this one because I, I've seen way too much. And like I initially did my lineups 
split in black and white in color. So I apologize for the misunderstanding, but yeah, um, I have two lineups for black and white and in color. For black, no, no, no. For black and white, my picks are Anna Karenina, Beauty and the Beast, Hamlet, Letter from an Unknown Woman, and The Queen's Necklace. And in color, my picks are Die Fledermaus, The Emperor Waltz, An Ideal Husband, The Red Shoes, that lady in ermine. Um, yeah, so they did uh, split um, the color categories for production design and cinematography and costume design. And I appreciate you that you went the same path. Yeah, I think there was Even just, though- yeah, there's too much films. And like, I, my heart is already breaking with me finalizing my five. With the split, and I'm oh, like, yeah. <laughs> my heart is gonna break even more if I compress the two. So I want to thank the Academy for oh, splitting yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The more nominees, the better, or should I say, the more nominees, the merrier. Yeah, and with this year, the weird thing is the Academy. The Academy only did like two nominees for yeah. each in production. So weird. Yeah, and yeah, and. It, but this year is so rich with the costume design and the production design, well, art direction called then. But um, I it was such it was so exciting with these films. Um, what what am I looking? Anna Karenina. Oh my gosh, the the character work is so stunning. Character work and gowns. Beauty and the Beast. Fantasy. Um, Hamlet is just like theatrical and royalty. Letter from an unknown woman. Beautiful character work. Queen's necklace. The excess of French elite society. And then in color, D. Feather Mouse, just so fun, period work. The Emperor Waltz, also the same. An ideal husband, like almost a farce on British society. The Red Shoes is, um, I don't know, uh, mind blowingly, um, you know, fantasy and the Technicolor is just stunning. And that lady in Ermine, again, history and historical sash fantasy so stunning so this year is so, so rich in costume design i i don't understand why you just have to settle with two nominees in black and white two nominees in color at as the oscars because this was so rich this year so rich yeah i support that decision even though um i decided to just keep it um keep our direction costume design as just one category simply because um, beyond the colors, there wasn't much of a difference, but I totally understand your decision. But my nominees are An Ideal Husband, Beauty and the Beast, Hamlet, Letter from an Unknown Woman, and The Red Shoes. We technically got five out of five overlap. (laughs) Yay. And Cecil Cecil Beaton, his work on... an ideal husband, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Yes, I was having a lot. And, of, a lot of the things that gave me made me so much. Uh, gave me so much um good, uh, fun while watching an ideal husband is on how it plays or almost even mocks its characters. Uh, a lot of like visual comedy through costumes. Yeah. And Anna Karenina, that is one I haven't seen. I believe that is Vivian Lee in it. Yes. Although I did uh, have seen the Greta Garbo version. 
I have not seen a Greta Garbo version. <laughs> so next we have the um, best color cinematography. Ooh, color cinematography. My nominees are The Loves of Carmen, The Pirate, The Red Shoes, Summer Holiday, That Lady in Ermine. Good choices. Um, my nominees are Easter Parade, The Red Shoes, Romance on the High Seas, Rope, and The Three Musketeers. Rope was there for the longest time until I got in the last week of watching films where I just started cramming a lot. And like, it's, I think it's, I think it's number six for me. It, it was so good. And it, it goes even beyond like the, the, conceit of like trying to make it look like a long take so many great uh, choices in rope romance in the high seas is just such a delight to watch uh and um yeah easter parade as well easter parade was hanging in there for the longest time but yeah great choices and the the color i think this year the nominees for color at least were really um serving some really good visuals and um, in terms of not only good or pleasing, but really enhancing their storytelling. So that's why I love these nominees because, you know, I think there are some films from this year that I've also seen where, you know, it does, the, the, the Technicolor is good, is great, but it's not really serving anything beyond that. But the films that we've mentioned went beyond that, I think. And, and they're, they're, they're not just, beautiful looking but really helps the storytelling in their own films or enhances how we receive those stories so um really good color cinematography this year it's really weird because like i've been thinking like this year in 2020 there's also a lot of black and white films and like how many before we can do like a split this year (laughs) for black and white and in color as well but yeah Yeah, definitely. So, um, next we have best black and white cinematography. Okay, this category breaks my heart. It's <laughs> a big one, and it's just so hard. Yes, this one I really stressed out on this one. Um, I have at least uh five films that I really wanted to to cling on, but I had to drop them. Um. Cinematography, my picks are Beauty and the Beast, Hamlet, Louisiana Story, Moonrise, The Village Teacher. Ooh, good choices. Uh, I have not seen The Village Teacher, but I really dig the other nominees from your list. But my nominees are Hamlet. Letter from an Unknown Woman, The Pearl, Portrait of Jenny, and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh my gosh, yeah. What was their third? Um, The Pearl. The Pearl. That one I haven't seen. Oh my gosh. That one I yeah, missed. Yeah, the John Steinbeck adaptation directed by Emilio Fernandez. And the cinematography won a Golden Globe and a prize at the Venice Festival. And it's just a stunning-looking movie. 
and I had to make a painful cut uh, cutting out like the Naked City, which won the Oscar, and a uh, letter from no Lady from Shanghai. Yeah, which is just stunning in that final act. Yeah, Lady from Shanghai was like originally of. I think early on, the Lady from Shanghai is actually my pick. It just moved down and down as soon as I watched more films, which is, you know, the heartbreaking thing because, like, I think for the longest time it stuck there at number one, and they go about two, three, four, five, and you know, since I really love the film as well and its cinematography, I was hoping that it would stick in the fifth spot, but I just have to move it down as I was watching more. Um, but that was a very stunning film, even before the that final. 20 30 minutes, which is like, I cannot yeah, handle this. Yeah, so next we have best art direction. Okay, another split, which I I'm so happy I stuck with this split because, again, my heart. Um, for color, my nominees are Easter Parade, An Ideal Husband, The Pirate. The Red Shoes, That Lady in Ermine. For Black and White, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Beauty and the Beast, Corridor of Mirrors, The Eternal Return, Hamlet. Good choices. So I went with Easter Parade, A Foreign Affair, Hamlet, Letter from an Unknown Woman, and The Red Shoes. Oh, that's a good, that's a good um, joined black and white and color lineup. Um, I I really appreciate all of those nominees as well, especially a foreign affair because a foreign affair had to deal with. Um, uh, of course, I appreciate all, but with a foreign affair, it had to mix um, the visuals of actual on ground um, footage of Berlin in ruins, and then kind of build some of that interiors in studios and how do you marry that um it was very the, the art the production design is so good in that one as well yeah um yeah definitely and it's definitely the sort of high production values and um very clever usage of location that Billy Wilder was capable of doing and you can see him taking a lot of notes from Ninochka, which he co-wrote. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of fun. So next we have best sound recording. Okay. This category had a lot of like last minute shakeups this week. <laughs> I was being solid with my five until like I watched films this week. Uh, my nominees for sound recording are Command Decision, The Lady from Shanghai, Piccadilly Incident, Red River, The Snake Pit. The Snake Pit actually won. Uh, the Oscar in real life, and it is an interesting choice. I do like the overlapping sound. It did. So haunting. Yeah. So my, but it was just missed for me because my nominees are The Lady from Shanghai, Moonrise, The Naked City, Red River, and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. 
Yeah, the Treasure of the Sierra Madre is it's very close for me because it you know it, it when when you when I watch that film, it's so dark and you can say it's 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 the it's the performances, it's the cinematography, but also a lot of that is on how it really uses sound to be darker in its exploration of the the psyche of people that are overcome by greed and you know that feeling of always being threatened the sound design in the treasure of sierra madre can be very scary <laughs> at times so yeah i i appreciate that nominate that choice so next we have best original song okay Okay, this category I had so much fun uh, coming together with this one. Uh, my picks are Be a Clown from The Pirate, By the Way from When My Baby Smiles at Me, It's Magic from Romance on the High Seas, The Ruins of Berlin from A Foreign Affair, and the Woody Woodpecker song from Wet Blanket Society. Ooh, good lineup. So, um, my um, nominees are Buttons and Bows from The Pale Face, Illusions from Foreign Affair, It's Magic from Romance on the High Seas, The Moonrise Song It Just Dawned on Me from Moonrise, and stepping out with my baby from Spring Parade. Stepping out with my baby, it was in my fifth for the longest time until this week. It moved to number eight. I, 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 this series so good, even with um, of course a lot of these were like musicals, duh. But um, was so this year is so good. Stepping out with my baby is so enjoyable. Um, uh, did you say did you say also uh, it's magic? Yeah. I was not expecting to love it's magic. So I love it's magic. Um and I it was so fun that we had like different a foreign affair picks. You chose illusions. Yes. I picked the ruins of Berlin. Um, I love the way Marlene Dietrich uh pronounces illusions. Like illusions. Yeah, for me, it's like, the ruins of Berlin. I'm like, okay, I'm sold. Final song, <laughs> but um, yes. I just have to give give a shout out to um the Woody Woodpecker song from Wet Blanket Policy because I think it's one of the only few. Um, I remember the Red Balloon for original screenplay in '56, and then this one it's a six minute short film, animated short, got nominated for original song, and it was such a catchy song. One of the very few times where a short film got nominated in um, a category for feature films. I don't think that could happen now, but it's the first, this is the very first film I've seen for this podcast because it's six minutes and it's so interesting. Short film, animated short, original song. It's such a catchy song and it's on YouTube, not just the song, the whole short film is on YouTube. So there's that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, um, next we have best original score, and this is a tough one. Yes. 
<laughs> um, okay, so again, I did the split. There is musical, there is drama slash comedy. Um, with musical, my picks are Easter Parade, Melody Time, The Pirate, Romance on the High Seas, and A Song is Born. For best scoring of a dramatic or comedy picture, this category I hate so much because there is this one film that I really want to put in, but I, I just couldn't make it in. Um, these My five are Hamlet, Key Largo, Louisiana Story, The Red Shoes, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yes, I did two Max Steiners for this lineup. As one should. He's so good. Max Steiner is godsend. <laughs> but my nominees are Beauty and the Beast, Hamlet, Letter from Nun on Woman, The Red Shoes, and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh, that's a great lineup. Um, I, Beauty and the Beast... Um, you know, it's something that I remember more for its visuals, but its music is also very uh, entrancing. Letter from an Unknown Woman is this gentle, moving. Um, the music is almost gentle, but also like present and moving. The Red Shoes, just um, swelling. The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, terrifying. And what was your other pick? Um, You're muted. Um, Hamlet. Oh yeah, Hamlet, which is I just saw last night. I, I made it like the last film that I will see for this podcast. Um, it's so, the, this music is so um captivating as well. Um, I I just have to give a shout out to Red River, The Big Clock, and Rachel and the Stranger. I'm saying Rachel and the Stranger now because this is like my highest rated film that would not get in any of my nominations. I so love this film. I so love the music. I so love a lot of things about this film. But yeah, there's a lot of great scores this year. Yeah, there definitely are. I'd also like to mention like The Snake Pit. Yes. Um, Alfred Newman. And then... Um, uh, Johnny Belinda, um, Max Steiner score, which I didn't love the movie itself, but um, I remember his theme from the In Memoriam segment for the 78th Oscars. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was used. Oh. Yeah. And uh, it, like um, both that and his now Voyager theme. Wow. It's that's an honor. Montage. Yeah, that's an honor if you know, once music is being used in the in memoriam, it means that it the music touches touches hearts. Yeah. So next we have best cartoon short film. Okay, so I'm so happy I found a short list. <laughs> I found a short list for this one. Um, so we have three. Um, my picks for. Uh, Short subject cartoons are T for 200, The Three Minis, Wags to Riches. Nice. My nominees are The Little Orphan, 
Mouse Wreckers, and T for 200. <laughs> oh my gosh, the little orphan was so cute and touching. Save the, the, the Native American stereotype. Uh, it was so cute and it it was made me so nostalgic because um when i was watching actually was watching these um car, um short, short subject cartoons i didn't realize that a lot of these films i'm watching casually when i was younger they're playing in cartoon cable and i was i didn't realize that i was watching oscar nominated oscar shortlisted shorts um especially the little orphan i i had flashbacks when i was watching it um t4200 is so fun um yeah <laughs> i forgot what was your third I, i'm bad at remembering is it mouse records yes yes mouse oh, that was also very fun um I just want to say that the three minis, it, I, I'm so happy that someone posted it online because it's so hard to find. It's not even a letterboxed, um, but uh, it was this very playful, like uh, um, um, a parody of travelogue about three sisters, the three minis. Um, and it's so playful, so joyful, and I'm so glad it's online. Um and Wagster, which is also very delightful, so pure, so joyful. I'm so glad that you um, you're also doing this category because it 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 like opened up for me like this wonderful shorts. Um, some are some are okay, some are really good. A lot of in between problematic, but I love exploring the time. So it's 1948. There's a lot of misogyny. There's a lot of like problematic Native American representation. That's 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 the time so i'm i'm so happy that um i'm not i'm not happy for those problems but i'm happy that you're also doing the the animated shorts yeah i felt like um i had enough here to work with unlike something like the live action short mm -hmm. or it kind of felt like they hadn't quite figured things out yet mm -hmm. but Next, we have Best Foreign Film. Okay, so this one has an asterisk because um, I didn't get to watch films released in 48. I was able to watch films that were eligible at the Oscars in 48. And this year, it was nutty because you get films from 1939 that are only eligible at the Oscars in 48. 42, 43, 46, 47. So this, my cat, my cat may not, my picks are with asterisk. <laughs> but um, my picks are um, from France, Beauty and the Beast, from France, Panic, and from Italy, To Live in Peace. Now, if I'm going to follow Oscar rules, I would have to put in, so one country, one film, I'll put in The Village Teacher, but, you know, I'm going to stick with a three for now. From Soviet Union, by the way. So Beauty and the Beast from France, Panic from France, To Live in Peace from Italy. Fair enough. Those are all interesting choices. Um, I went with Bicycle Thieves from Italy, Drunken Angel from Japan, and Port of Call from Sweden. I've been seeing those titles. I mean, of course, Bicycle Thieves is like one of the most well-known international um, international Italian films. Um, but Drunken Angel and um, the other one, 
Port of Call. Port of Call. I've been seeing them when I'm looking at this year, and I just didn't get the time. But I, I'm so happy that those films were not only um, your picks, but they're available to be seen because, as I've noticed this year, it's a bit hard to find films um, that are because of pre- film preservation and what happened with the war and all that, um, and also. N- I mean, there are films that are available that um, that don't have English subtitles. So I'm glad that those films are still there. So for with us that we can watch. Definitely. So um, next we have Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay, so this, the two screenplay categories, we had a back and forth with this one. <laughs> Um, because of one film, oh my goodness! But um, yeah, my picks for adapted screenplay are Beauty and the Beast, Call Northside Seven Seven Seven, A Foreign Affair, An Ideal Husband, Panic. Nice. So. I went with The Lady from Shanghai, Letter from Unknown Woman, Portrait of Jenny, Rope, and The Treasure of the Sierra Matre. Oh my gosh, we didn't overlap with anything. But those are five really good adaptations. Um, I, I do have to say that this year, there's so many adaptations. Oh my gosh, there's so many adaptations from this year. Yeah. Is it like, is it like just a trend from the 40s? There are a lot of adaptations. Um, I don't, um, well, looking on IMDb and uh, just learning about the adaptation credit, like adaptation by some screenwriter, uh, but the screenplay was written by some other writers, and then the original story was some other writer. Yeah. It's kind of confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just tend to think of most of those as, like, original. Yeah at least by today's rules and it can be confusing yeah because especially before there was a there's a more industrialized way of making films you know you have someone who writes the story and then you have someone who writes the treatment and then there's someone who words it in so it's much more different from now i mean now it's more clear-cut and like um which which one is original which one is not um, but yeah, there's a lot of adaptations from this time and that is, that's glaring with the number that I listed, like short list compared with the original screenplay. But those five that you had were very good adaptations. I'm just sorry that none of them made it in my lineup. Oh, that's good. Cool. That's okay. Like, <laughs> but we all have our different, uh, films that just had to miss because these films we were so passionate about and yeah yeah but anyways um i announced my nominees right i just want to be sure yes okay so next we have best original screenplay speaking of the confusing credits oh yeah um, yeah 
I'm gonna go right. Oh yeah, you go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go first. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I got confused. Uh, yeah, I got confused with my lineup. But okay, uh, for original screenplay, my picks are the Girl of the Canal, the Inside Story, the Mating of Millie, to live in peace, unfaithfully yours. Those are good picks. So, um, I also, I especially like the Preston Sturges. I like anything Preston Sturges, so that's a um, worthy nomination. Mm-hmm. And one of a few good Rex Harrison performances. <laughs> that isn't yes. like a com- <laughs> Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, he can burn in hell. So, um, oh. next- <laughs> what did he do to you? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he was like some evil monster in real life. I- oh, I haven't heard. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, that, that, that he, it, it doesn't affect me. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like his Oscar win for My Fair Lady, though, but you know, neither do I. Yeah. Uh, but my nominees are Easter Parade, A Foreign Affair, um, Red River, The Red Shoes, and The Search. Yeah, those are. Oh, you also have Red River in original. Oh, I see. Yeah, this yeah. This, this this time is confusing as well because at the Oscars there weren't even like original and adapted. They they put together yeah, it was screen- just story and screenplay. Yeah, and you know the bad the behind the scenes of the films can get really murky. Um, but you know, f it, you know. I mean, even even now, Oscars can be muddy with what's adapted and original. I just reviewed like the case with a Moonlight, which was based on an unproduced, unpublished play but it's still um adapted also whiplash uh just one scene from a short film and it's adapted so um but yeah those are really good picks and i really um wanted them uh, um some of them to really uh work it in my lineup but it's just that's the thing you know like i said a while ago with adapted screenplay there are way fewer original screenplays really that's why um, it's more exciting for me with original screenplay because what are the films available? <laughs> and these are the five that I came up. So it was a really exciting thing, exciting thing to do. Inverse of um, adapted screenplay, which is so crowded with big titles. Yeah, definitely. So... Um... And with the search, like how who like how did that how did they come up with the conclusion that the screenplay but also the story? Yeah, uh, it just makes it's just so weird to me. Yeah, but I think it's just before, because before, like I said, there is a clear yeah, who think it's almost like sound uh, I don't know if it's a good comparison, but it's like sound mixing and sound editing. Which is like Someone writes the treatment, someone writes the dialogue. It's different, but it's one thing. I I, I struggle. Yeah. But next we have 
the acting category, starting with supporting actress. Okay. My nominees for performance by an actress in a supporting role are Betsy Blair for Another Part of the Forest, Marlena Dietrich in A Foreign Affair, Betty Garda and Call Northside 777, Catherine Hepburn in State of the Union, and Claire Trevor in Key Largo. Nice. So my nominees are Anne Miller for Easter Parade, Gene Simmons for Hamlet, Barbara Bell Guest for I Remember Mama, Claire Trevor for Key Largo, and Ethel Barrymore in Portrait of Jenny. Ethel Barrymore in Portrait of Jenny is one of my early up there picks. Um, I just saw Gene Simmons last night. Um, I think we'll answer a question later about that, so I'll save it for the for later. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have nothing. Much, I have nothing much to say with supporting actress, but it's it's a good lineup. But it's like okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Sometimes uh, I can tend to be uh, lost for words, specifically, mm-hmm. but yeah. I just so have to say, yeah, best- yeah. I just have to say uh, with Betsy Blair, um, that's not a film that I care much about at all, but she's so passionate in that performance. Um, and I think there are two performances here, Marlene Dietrich in A Foreign Affair and Catherine Hepburn in State of the Union that others might think of as leads. I understand those as well. Um, Claire Trevor's big um, scene chewer, chewer, but so good. And Betty Garda is just in one scene in Call Northside 777, but so raw and so powerful. Um, it's a mix of big names and character actors that I really admire. This. My, my, I really admire my own list. What? No, but just I admire the mix. But um, yeah, I'm fine. Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> so next we have Best Supporting Actor. So my nominees for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role are Paul Bernard in Panic, Walter Houston in The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Kieran Moore in Mine Own Executioner, Edward G. Robinson in Key Largo, James Stewart in Rope. Nice. I did consider James Stewart, and I was really just thinking about how to fill out the final fifth slots, but I did eventually come up with something. Mm. My nominees are Edward G. Robinson in Key Largo, Ooh. Thomas Gomez in Key Largo, Everett Sloan in The Lady from Shanghai, Montgomery Cleft in Red River, and Walter Houston in The Church of the Sierra Madre. Wow, two Key Largos. That, that cast... Is so good that if there was a sog, a sog, sag, cast sag award, yeah, it would then. Oh my <clears throat> goodness! I that's that's the first thing that I was um that I felt when I was watching Keylar was that this cast is so good. Everyone is getting really good material. Everyone is being given a spotlight. It's so well balanced. It's well calibrated. I'm so um happy for the two Keylargo guys. Um. Yeah, I, I really like Key Largo. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. A lot of fun. 
So yes. next we have best leading actress. Okay. My favorite category, except from foreign language film, um, my picks, my nominees for performance by an actress in a leading role are Jean Arthur in A Foreign Affair, Olivia de Havilland in The Snake Pit, Joan Fontaine in Letter from an Unknown Woman, Evelyn Keyes in The Mating of Millie, and Vivian Romance from Panic. Nice. So, my nominees are Rita Hayworth in The Lady from Shanghai, Joan Fontaine from Letter from an Unknown Woman, Jennifer Jones from Portrait of Jenny, Moira Shearer in The Red Shoes, and Olivia Havland in The Snake Pit. Moira Shearer is really good. Um, uh, and also, um, Rita Hayworth's performance in the, in the Snake Pit in The Lady from Shanghai is so deceptive. And that's not a spoiler. It's just so deceptive. At first, you can think it's simple or maybe more of an iconography, but it really turns at the end. Uh, it's really good. Um, I just want to say that before, um, because, you know, my, my lineup is almost like the Haviland Fontaine also. Uh, Jean Arthur, this is my first time to encounter Jean Arthur, I think. So wonderful. Evelyn Keys and the Mating of Millie, comedic gold. Vivian Romance in Panic, so complicated. And um, this year is so, um, it was so confusing for me because there are two Best Actress winners, Loretta Young in Rachel and the Stranger and Greer Garson in Julia Misbehaves. I so want them in my five. Um, this is my first Loretta Young. Um, there, I know that her Oscar win is not that popular, but I really love her in Rachel and the Stranger um, and Greer Garson in a romantic comedy. She's so good. So I, I, I this, this best actress, it broke my heart a lot of times. And I will explain one later when we announce the winner. Our picks, I mean. But this is a really great year in Best Actress. I really enjoyed the nominee, the nominees, the, the ones available. Even Betty Davis was in a romantic comedy, uh, June Bride. She was really wonderful in it as well. Um, I, I, I love this line. I love this, the bunch of, the feel of contenders for actors in the leading role. Nice. I'm really interested to see what... Um... Greg Arson is like in a comedy because she apparently was a very funny personality in real life and I wonder if she was more suited to comedies than the rather stuffy dramas that she was stuck doing. Yeah, it's 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 like the the common sickness of Hollywood is uh not giving actresses the war the the, the the opportunities to really flex their muscles. I mean, I even think I love I I I respect her work in Mrs. Miniver. I love her in Julia Misbehaves. Um, it's so out there, you know, she she falls in the mud, she hangs in the curtain, she sings, she scams an old guy. It, it I mean, like I, I'm so passionate for that performance because it's just so much fun, but it also lets her to flex her muscles as an actress. And um but you know, not to um, not to take away the 
achievements of the five that the the two the five the five actresses that we picked each because it was a really good year. But just like Greer Garson and comedies, love it. Nice. So next we have best leading actor. My nominees are Humphrey Bogart in The Treasure of Sierra Madre, Montgomery Clift in The Search, Richard Conte in Cry of the City, Rex Harrison in Unfaithfully Yours, and Ivan Yandel for The Search. Nice. So, um... I like the um, Ivan Jandy uh, mention, or even however you pronounce his name. He is so good, like anchoring the movie, mm-hmm. and he is a really touching chemistry with Montgomery Clift. So yeah, I like that choice. Uh, my nominees though are Laurence Olivier in Hamlet. <laughs> Orson Welles in The Lady from Shanghai, John Wayne in Red River, Anton Walbrook in The Red Shoes, and Humphrey Bogart in The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. This is, I, Humphrey Bogart is so wonderful in this one. Uh, I, 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 he is a kind of, he's the actor. I, I confess that I mostly respect more than love his work, but he sinks his teeth very deep into the treasure of the Sierra Madre. It's terrifying. Um, mad respect to Laurence Olivier, who is in my number six. Um, very uh, tough nature of performance to nail. Um, I have to. I, I need to uh, give a shout out to Michel Simon from Panic, um, Dane Dane Clark from Moonrise, and one of my Husbands from this year, Farley Granger in Rope, queer icon. I stand a queer icon. So, yay! So next we have best director. Okay. Ooh, my picks for achievement in directing: Jean Cocteau in Beauty and the Beast, Laurence Olivier in Hamlet. Robert Flaherty for Louisiana Story. Julien Duvivier for Panic. And Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger for The Red Shoes. A very good, varied lineup. I just appreciate the variety you have going on here. And just a very eclectic. I have, I have, uh, I I have my number six to number nine are so close. It's a really good year for um, directorial achievements. My only caveat, I just wish there were female directors that were available. This is such a good year, you know, it's like, this is a good year and then that side note and yeah and certain movies that would have been better if women had been directing them uh, which one I would like to hear um I'm not sure if I can name one but 
maybe sitting pretty. I see that. Yeah. Um, I un- I understand the sitting pretty. I don't know. Needs to have more. Uh, you know, it needs to have more fun. <laughs> directorially speaking, um, what I could say probably is a film that um I would have loved to see. Like I don't know, a female director take on. Um, I want to see a female director take on The Accused. Um, a drama starring Loretta Young. Um, it's it's about um, she has a student that died, and then she tries to avoid the investigation. Uh, I want to I want to see someone take up maybe um, maybe a Lynn Ramsey, or maybe a Catherine Bigelow. You know, I, you know. I just I, I want to see that, but uh, I, yeah. I'm losing words. So, what's your what are your picks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my picks are Orson Welles in the late for the lady in Shang, the lady from Shanghai. Uh, Max Ophuls for a letter from an unknown woman. William D. Terrell for Portrait of Jenny. Michael Powell and Emma Pressburger for the, the Red Shoes, and John Huston for the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Wonderful. That's a really wonderful lineup. Um, yeah, it's so intriguing that you know Orson Welles even uh, didn't have directorial credit actually in *The Lady from Shanghai*, um, because it was such a good directorial achievement. But um, maybe that's to he's done with studio interference at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, at this point he just goes to um, I don't I don't know what where he specifically also I think he was to Switzerland or Italy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this year is so good. Yeah, and Lawrence Olivier was probably like a six for me. Oh, oh my gosh, he he is unbelievably good as a director in Hamlet. I like. Yeah. I, I'm so glad I saved it for last because usually I give that pressure for like best picture winners to so like you're gonna be the last, prove yourself. But Hamlet is so delicious. There's so many delicious choices there. Yeah, it's definitely, it's like one of those films that you can tell it's sort of a stage-based film, but it works because of just little technical decisions he makes. Yeah. Even though he cuts out large portions of the play, as is to be expected at the time, it still works incredibly well. And I say this as someone who wasn't terribly impressed with his Henry V adaptation, mm-hmm. just um, even though it was technically sound. But here I feel like he really hits his stride in terms of Shakespeare adaptations. And I just look forward to seeing if he carries this momentum with uh, Richard III. Mm-hmm. I'm so not well-versed with Olivier. <laughs> but I just want to uh-huh. say that, you know, as someone who is so not able to connect with Shakespeare. <laughs> um, I am engrossed by what he did with Hamlet in terms of directing. It's really wonderful work. I, yeah, I think we, I, have, we have, I have more tendency to talk about the films that I didn't choose because like, I feel like I have to justify why they didn't make it in. But again, such a wonderful year um, and a lot of rich work distinctive work which i really appreciate because this was the time of haste code and there are a lot of i have, i've seen a lot of films from this year where they were 
mediocre to good enough. But I am struggling to find that directorial like stamp, that vision, that's something that makes a film unique. Um, and, you know, these filmmakers uh, emerge and it's really wonderful. Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate all the directorial visions. And I just wanted to mention Portrait of Jenny, which is a favorite of Zita Shorts, if you know her on Twitter. Yeah. Hi, Zita. Hi. <laughs> so, next is Best Picture, the big one. Okay. My nominees for Best Picture. Beauty and the Beast. The Girl of the Canal. Louisiana Story. Panic. The Red Shoes. Nice. So, mine are The Lady from Shanghai, Letter from an Unknown Woman, Red River, The Red Shoes, and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I just want to say, I so want to ask you, can we do a 10 for Best Picture? Because this year is so good. And your your picks, a lot of them did weren't my picks from my top five. But I think there are in my... No, they're not in my 10 even. <laughs> they're like they're in my 20. Uh, they're also in my 20. Yeah. It's so good. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what are your next five? Um, My 6 to 10 would be... A Foreign Affair, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, Call Northside 777, Cry of the City, An Ideal Husband, and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre is in 11. <laughs> oh, speaks to how good of a year this is. Yeah. I, I mean, but, it, it's, um, it's so exciting because um, yeah. uh, there were titles that I was expecting to be big for me. And I gravitated towards the imports, the independent films. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to be phone twittery. But it's just, that's what I gravitated towards. I don't know why. But this year is so good in and outside of Hollywood. Yeah. We all have our um, different preferences and yes. things that really resonate with us. Um, so my next five would have been, or are, um, uh, Portrait of Jenny, Red River, um, Easter Parade, A Foreign Affair, and Rope. All wonderful films. Again, easy, easy expansion of 10. Why? I don't know why they reverted to five. I know I I love the 10. I love the 10. I'll stand yeah. by the 10. There's no such thing as a weak year in film. There's only a, a weak year for Oscars. Not really a weak yeah. year in film. Or two years to weak years for Oscars. 43? Um, um, no, I just said we're um I think we're both used to weak years for Oscars. Based I'm, on done, I'm done with that. I'm done with weak if if the Oscar year is weak. Look at the eligibility list. Like what you do on this podcast, look at the great films. There's so many yeah. great films per year. They, we yeah. never run out of great films. Yeah, definitely. So, I'm angry right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I feel ya. After these messages, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. So it's now time to announce our winners. And as usual, we start with the last category and end with first. And we take turns announcing our winners with the guests going first. So, Juan, do you want to start with special effects? Okay. My pick for special effects is Deep Waters. Interesting. My pick is Portrait of Jenny. The Oscar winner, which is also very impressive. Um, yeah. yeah. So next is Best Film Editing. My pick for film editing is Louisiana Story. Oh, nice. Um, I was kind of mixed on the film, but I do appreciate um, like Flaherty's craft. Mm-hmm. So I can see what you're going for with that. Yeah. So my winner for film editing is The Red Shoes. Of course. Yes. It's wonderfully crafted. So next, we have best makeup. Makeup. My pick is Beauty and the Beast. Nice. So my winner is also Beauty and the Beast. Unity! Woo! <laughs> Unity! Yeah. One. Um, One point. Unity. <laughs> Yay. It was going to be the red shoes for the longest time until I saw Beauty and the Beast. It's like contest, like comp- this competition is over. I went back and forth between the two. I mean, Beauty and the Beast is one of the films, I've, one of the earliest films I've seen. And then the red shoes kind of in the middle. But I went back and forth with that. But, you know, it's really good year makeup as well. So um, next we have best costume design. Okay, for for, uh, <laughs> for black and white, my winner is Hamlet. For color, my winner is an ideal husband. Nice. <laughs> I really like that I was able to um discover an ideal husband. I don't find it perfect, but I do find a lot to appreciate about it, yeah. especially the technical elements. It looks so rich and sumptuous, and the costumes yeah. are so elaborate. I wasn't um, planning to watch it, but I'm so glad I did. Yeah. And so my winner is, because I have only one category of costumes, my winner is Hamlet. Woo! Which is so good! So unity again. I know I have black and white in color, but we picked the same one. So yeah, 
Yay. So next we have best color cinematography. Oh my gosh. You're in for a surprise. My pick is the red shoes. And um, surprise, surprise, my winner is also the red shoes. Unity! <laughs> as much as I consider it rope, I just couldn't deny the magic that formulates when Powell and Pressburger unites yeah. with Jack Cardiff. Yeah, I think out of the nominees, this is really the one that really utilized color in the storytelling the most. So I appreciate it. Yeah. So next we have best, best black and white cinematography is next. My pick for cinematography black and white is Beauty and the Beast. Nice. Such a good choice. Um, what is yours for color? No, I, I, my, my color is the red shoes. Ah. So uh, my winner is the red shoes. Yeah. And for black and white. Oh, I just only have one. Um, oh, cin- cinematog- and cinematography. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> cinematography, black. We were talking cinematography. I'm sorry. I just got confused. <laughs> My winner for black and white cinematography is Letter from an Unknown Woman. I got ahead of myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> Spoiled yourself. I love this one. Don't edit this out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I won't. Okay. Yeah. Just. But um. Next, we have best art direction. Okay. Um. For art direction, <laughs> uh. Color. I don't know. Black and white. My pick, I don't know. I'm going to start with color. For art direction, color, my pick is the red shoes. For art direction, black and white, my pick is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Nice. Okay, so uh, my winner for art direction. I already said it, but my winner is the red shoes. <laughs> Don't worry. Just remember, Spike Lee announced Palm Door very first at the can. You're good, you're good with art direction. You're a fine. <laughs> yeah. So next we have best sound recording. My pick for sound recording is Command Decision. Nice. So my winner is the lady from Shanghai. There you go. So next is best original song. So my pick for original song is... Should I sing it? (laughs) Just sing it. The ruins of Berlin from a foreign affair. Lovely. And my winner is the song I nominated from a foreign affair. Illusions of a foreign affair. 
<laughs> that film has killer songs. Just three songs, killer songs. So next we have best original score. Okay, for um score musical, my pick is a song is born. For scoring of a dramatic or comedic picture. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the 40s. <laughs> My pick is the red shoes. Ooh, good pick. That red shoes score by Brian Dees Dole is fantastic. Mm-hmm. My winner, though, is Hamlet. Yes, I, I support that. Walton. I support that. His magnificent, fantastic score. Yeah. So I, next, oh, you go ahead. No, I would admit that at first I didn't consider the Red Shoes in the original score because I thought it was pre-existing music. Ah, uh, understandable. Yeah, and before the but, Red Shoes, uh, next we- my pick was Louisiana Story. Ah, uh, interesting choice. So next we have best cartoon short film. Okay, the child and me. My pick is Wags to Riches. Nice. My pick is The Little Orphan. Winner. <laughs> Oscar winner. Yeah. Yeah. So next we have best foreign film. My pick is Beauty and the Beast. My winner is Drunken Angel. Wow. Looking forward to seeing it. Nice. So um, next we have Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay. My pick. Is a foreign affair. Nice. Uh, my winner is the red. No, wait, no. Uh, my winner is the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Hmm. Solid choice. So next, we have best original screenplay. My pick. For original screenplay is To Live in Peace. Nice. My winner is The Red Shoes. Yay! Which is a really good screenplay. I just didn't get nominated. I had no space. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it doesn't get enough credit for its screenplay in particular. Yeah. So next, we have Best Supporting Actress. My pick for Supporting Actress is Marlena Dietrich in A Foreign Affair. Awesome choice. I can't believe she only received one nomination in her career. Just oh. one. Yeah, Morocco. Um, well. Yeah. <laughs> 
Some of the greatest actresses only get nominated once, and she's, so she's in good company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, next. Oh wait, no. My winner is Ethel Barrymore in Portrait of Jenny. Ooh, I appreciate her. <laughs> I see her. <laughs> she's seen. So next we have. So next we have best supporting actor. My pick for supporting actor is James Stewart for Rope. Nice, good pick. Uh, my winner is Walter Houston yes. in the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yes. A really wonderful winner, which I don't always say in Best Supporting Actor winners at the Oscars. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just have to confess, um, I had to consult a few friends on Marlene Dietrich and James Stewart if they think they're lead or supporting because they're big names, but I would put them in supporting. So I, there were conversations. So I'm happy with the placement because um, these are really wonderful performances. And uh, Walter Houston as well. So wonderful. Yeah. So next we have Best Leading Actress. My pick is Vivian Roman's for Panic. Nice. My pick is Joan Fontaine in Letter from an Unknown Woman. Ooh. Wow. Um, yay. She's a really one, she's really wonderful in that film. And I just have to say, because we're following Oscar rules, I really wanted to give two nominations for Vivian Romance for Panic and the Queen's Necklace. But I dropped her in the Queen's Necklace because we're following Oscar Five. But she has two wonderful performances and that, I'm not saying that that affected um, my picking her but it's really close she's wonderful in both but Panic is gold nice so next we have best leading actor my pick for best performance by an actor in a leading role is Rex Harrison in Unfaithfully Yours. Nice. So, my pick is Laurence Olivier in Hamlet. Very understandable choice. He's so wonderful with that text. (sighs) To be an actor and a director. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so next we have Best Director. My pick for achievement in directing is Louis Flaherty in Louisiana Story. Ooh, interesting choice. <laughs> My pick is John Houston for The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yes. I respect. I respect. And next we have Best Picture. My pick for Best Picture of 1948 
is Beauty and the Beast. So, my winner is The Red Shoes. Yes! Such a satisfying... Uh, just satisfying our winners are. Yeah. Just and, perfect. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I am very satisfied uh, also with uh, my, my picks. I mean, I, I've been heartbroken. I've said a lot of times, but very satisfied uh, but because um, for, I got, I got a little bit out of control. Uh, I have seen uh, for, for, for preparing for this podcast. Uh, I have seen, um, 97 features. <laughs> um, oh, I can't manage that. I don't know how you manage that. No, because the thing Kudos is, you. yeah, the thing is, this year, a lot of films are easy to watch and a lot of films are short. So you can actually watch like six films a day and you still have a lot of time to do things. Um, the, the past two weeks, I've been watching like six to eight films a day, but it's so easy to watch. It's so easy to cram. I've been saying this to my mom, like, Mom, I would prefer to watch like six to eight 1948 films for this podcast than two to three for my podcast because it's so much easier to watch the 1948 films. Um, and they're easy to watch. Um, so I got I was planning for 50, and then some friends suggested it became 55, it became 70, it became 98. There was a time it was gonna be 115. I dropped to 97. I said, I need to sleep. Plus 12 animated shorts so um i am so happy with the choices that i made not not because i'm so good but just like this year is so good and if people would only really explore the eligibility lists you're gonna find some gold outside of oscar choices um and this year a lot of them are in websites <laughs> youtube uh, okru so um, a lot of films to explore. And I regret I haven't seen some I want to watch. Um, there's a list actually like films I want to watch from 1948 after this podcast. <laughs> I just got so obsessed with 1948. But um, a really wonderful year. Yeah. And even with Hamlet, I really appreciate that choice even beyond the prestige of being the only Shakespeare adaptation and winning the Golden Lion and winning Best Picture. Mm. There's a lot to appreciate, like, going into it for the first time, like I did. Yes, it does. Even though um, I will say that I think um, Kenneth Branagh's take is one of the best films I've ever seen. Mm. Have you seen Branagh's version? No. <laughs> I, I dodged that bullet when I was in film school. Um, the acting class was required to watch the four-hour version. Um, I was not in that class, so I didn't get to watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out the Brown version if you're a Shakespeare fan or if you just want to see an excellent epic. But, yeah. Um, so... Now let's get to audience questions. Um, um, let me just pull them up. So we've got a few. 
Um, um, this is from Ronaldo Sosa. Um, hi, Ronaldo. Hi, Ronaldo. If the Academy was so open to British cinema this year, how come Powell and Pressburger were snubbed in director when the Red Shoes is the most technically advanced film in the Best Picture lineup? It's also very art house. Um, there's also the factor of double directors. I don't know when was the first time we had like two directors nominated at the same time. Um, um is I it... think it was Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins for West Side Story. There you go. And it was a big Hollywood production. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was a combination of things. Um, the Red Shoes, I'm actually surprised that it got nominated for Best Picture. Not because it's, it's bad. Obviously not. It's in my five. But just, it's so art house. Um, and But it was the number one hit from that year, box office-wise. Uh, maybe it's a double director thing. You know, the director's branch can be very insular sometimes. But, you know, that argument doesn't always hold up. Um, I don't know. Maybe the double director thing. Probably. But yeah, even though it's the director thing, you'd think it would benefit from like the director's snobbery, but here they were favoring more journeyman directors like uh, um, John Negulesco for Johnny Belinda and Natalie lit back for the snake pit or even Fred Zinnemann for the search mm-hmm. um, or like in trade directors who were less auteurs and more mm-hmm. orc men who could get the job done. Yeah. I think they, um, I think those men were um, more um, in line with campaigning and meeting with the right people in Hollywood and Los Angeles. And I'm not sure how much um, you can say that about Powell and Pressburger. Um, But yeah, Yeah. it's kind of strange. And Olivia Um, Olivia is already a nominee in acting. Was already in, and also in directing, I think, uh, and he's worked in Hollywood, so th- that's Olivier's advantage, even though he's a Brit. I don't think that's the same thing with Pablo and Pressburger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kevin Jacobson um, on his podcast, the Under Runner Up, is um, he and Zach Laws um, had a good discussion on this year and Pablo and Pressburger, and a lot of the same points they touch on. I was trying to remember which one was the guest on that episode <laughs> because I, I was thinking yeah. like, I should listen probably, but maybe not because I've already listened to it. I just forgot who was the guest <laughs> on that episode. Um, This is from Owen Daly. What do you think caused um, 48 to be the breaking point when it came to the Academy overly accepting British cinema? I don't even know it was intentional. Um, uh, but I think post World War II, there was an eagerness for cultural exchange that also went with films. So this year, you would see films from Italy released in 41 dropping now, released in France in 39 dropping now. Um, I think there was a more eagerness to open up to non Hollywood productions. But, you know, uh, the advantage is that British productions, even though they're not in Hollywood, they're still English. <laughs> um, I don't know. 
I'm taking a look at this year because the Red Shoes is this art house box office hit. The Treasure of the Sierra Madre would probably you would expect as the choice, but it's also very dark. Um, the Snake Pit is, um, I think, more most held as a, a vehicle for Olivia de Havilland. And also, um, it's really gritty for its time. And I don't think people would go for it. Um, and uh, Johnny Belinda was this uh, controversial drama about rape. So with that kind of year, it's so it's easier to have an opening. There goes Hamlet coming in. There's a lot of factors coming in, but you know, maybe also the Hays Code was a factor. People were starting to get, yeah, you know, we've seen because I think there's a disillusionment after the world war, after the war. That um, you know, these are the same stories you're seeing. That's probably not backed by history, but just my thought. Yeah, um, I think that um, I would be surprised if uh, any of those reasons were actually true. Um, they very well could be, but we can never know for sure. And I feel inclined to agree with a lot of what you said. Yeah. Maybe it's all four, you know. Um, every people is different. Yeah. Every person has different reasons. Um. So this is from Ben Miller. Is this one of the most unmemorable batch of Oscar films from the forties? Um. Hi, hi, Ben. Um. Number. Oh, two, hi, Ben. Number yeah. two. No. <laughs> As I said. Oh, in terms of Oscar um, year. Why don't you go ahead, Gabe? It's kind of a mixed bag. It's kind of a mixed bag. I do like um, Hamlet, Treasure of Sierra Madre, Red Shoes. Um, Snake Pit is kind of um, a mixed bag in terms of mm-hmm. how it handles mental illness, but Olivia de Havilland's great in it. Um, no false sure. Um Didn't care much for Johnny Belinda. It just felt kind of bland. Yeah. Wrote. I really wanted to just lean into being like some this film noir melodrama but it feels a bit too tasteful mm-hmm. and um. it it feels like something that would have been more radical if it had been released 20 years later at the height of New Hollywood uh-huh. or when New Hollywood was taking off that would have felt like the right moment to release it or it could have been an interesting counterpart to something like Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know, because we have we have the treasure to Sierra Madre, uh, which is held as one of the best films in American cinema. You have the Red Shoes, held as one of the best films in British cinema. You have Hamlet, one of the most important Shakespearean adaptations. You have the Snake Pit, which is um, one of Olivia de Havilland's best performances. Uh, Johnny Bullen does the fine, whatever. Um, but um, I think with this decade, I'm inclined to say probably. There are worse years. Probably. F- I mean, look at uh, with 42. I, I, um, maybe, maybe my reference would be forty nine, 
none of those five were really, I mean, the, the, the best picture five, none of those five were really um, re- highly regarded, except maybe for the heiress, another Olivia de Havilland. The heiress. Yeah, another Olivia That's de Havilland a classic. vehicle. Yeah. And I do really like The Little of the Three Wives and Battleground. Those are two really good movies. Yeah, but un- unmemorable. Got- uh, mm, we have three well uh, well regarded classics in the best picture. I'm not sure if that's that bad. <laughs> Especially there are there are lineups in Oscar history where like when you look at the five, like what are these five? <laughs> yeah. Um like the 30th and 31 was rough. Is it a Simran year? Uh yeah. Uh, I, haven't, uh, uh, I haven't heard good things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is from Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi, Thoughts Emily. on Gene Simmons' Ophelia? Mm. My, I don't have a reference in terms of other Ophelias. Uh, I also don't have a reference in the text, so I don't know if she or of her imp- is if her interpretation of Ophelia is, you know, uh, good or not. But I could say performance-wise, it's a good performance that I think I got, it got a little bit more interesting. It got a bit better as it went along, especially when she had a breakdown. Um, nowhere near my five in supporting actress. Uh, I don't have much thought about the performance. It's harmless. I think she's quite good um, playing into Ophelia and just doing everything you would expect. Just tapping into the um, gradual mental unraveling Mm. and just the tragic nature of the role. Uh, I'm not sure if she compares to Kate Winslet. Well, I think just does wonders with that role, but she's very good. Mm-hmm. And if I want to talk just briefly, a touch on Jane Simmons. She's a wonderfully underrated actress who should have won an Oscar for Elmer Gantry and just underrated all around. Go check out her work. Um... So this is from Sam Meltzer. What do you think of Ethel Barrymore's reading of Best Picture? Um, hi Sam. Um, first of all, I I was supposed oh, to I was supposed to watch that clip last night, but I got so caught up with fixing the ballots. But I have seen the GIF. Uh, um. Uh, um, I I would say I'm not surprised because. The Academy Awards has, for the longest time, until Hamlet, um, an American award rewarding studio films in Hollywood. And they're almost in a rotation. So you get Paramount, you get, what are the other studios at the time? They're almost in a rotation. And Hamlet was the first film not produced in Hollywood to win. So I, I... I uh, I understand the ambivalence that she or that she you know her demeanor when she presented it, and I read some I read a book when I way back in college about like this I think it's the secret Oscar or like the history of the Oscars, Hamlet winning Best Picture almost became like a breaking point of the Oscars because studios were shocked 
that not one of their bets won. Not Warner, not Universal, not whatever. And it almost broke the Oscars in terms of pe- studios supporting it. Um, maybe that was a shock way back in 48 that a non-American film would win an American award. Like our best picture of the year is not from America, not from Hollywood, not from one of us, but from a, an outsider. I, I get it, but you know. Yeah, and who else to like open the gates since uh, a Brit who um, who had more access to Hollywood than most at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched the clip once some while back. I do know that uh, Ethel Barrymore was like, visibly angry, and at Hamlet winning Best Picture. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I just, I just, I'm inclined to agree with a lot of what you said, just regarding all of that. Yeah. I'm glad things have changed. You know, Jane Fonda was excited yeah. when she announced Parasite. So that's good. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, the Parasite win was fantastic. I still rewatch it. Like, I'm, I'm down. I should watch that. <laughs> I should watch that clip. I'm down right now. <laughs> I need to rewatch it. Yeah. I usually would watch Oscar clips when I'm down, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Juan, thank you for um, agreeing to appear on this podcast and just discussing this here with me. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking me on a ride in 1948. Um, this was not the first year that I intentionally, I, I, I originally picked, but I'm so glad I went with this year. Um, it's always a gift when I get to explore films that I would never watch. Um, and for a year that I have seen zero, so I went from zero to 97 plus 12 animated shorts. So it was really... Um, my October is basically all 1948. So thank you so much for having me and um, letting me watch these films that I would never have watched probably or would not have watched sometime. in I would, I would never watch Deep Waters in my life if not for this podcast. So, you know, there, that's the thing. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, so how do we find you on social media? You find me via oh, Google. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, you can find me on Twitter at Carlos Ohano, my podcast at One Inch Barrier. Um, my podcast, The One Inch Barrier, we, um, we, so we, meaning me and a guest, <laughs> a guest, um, we discuss going backwards um, the best foreign, best international feature film categories uh, per year. We're already in the 60s, so we're near the end. <laughs> Um, but uh, the, the podcast is available almost everywhere. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, I think um, a lot, a lot. And you can find some of my writing um, in the film experience. Um, and uh, I'm just online everywhere. <laughs> I'm stuck at home. So I'm always online. Uh, yeah. 
I bet a lot of people feel that way, including myself. So, um, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at GabeTheJoker um, with two underscores. You can find me on Letterboxd at Mr. Hulo. You can find me on Instagram at uh, GabeGuan with a single underscore. Um, you can follow the Twitter um, page for this um, podcast at Alternate Oscars. Um, I also have a Patreon um, account for this podcast. The description will be linked below once this episode is up. Um, be sure to rate and review this podcast for visibility's sake and subscribe through whatever server you use. And until the next episode, sit back and relax, cheers and enjoy, and thank you all for listening to the Alternate Oscars. <laughs>